The reason that our country is in the mess that it is in today is not because of the Republicans, it's not because of the Democrats. Let me tell you this, it's because of lame Christians. There is a reproach that comes with being a follower of Christ. We in America have tried to reshape the whole church so that it's palatable and likable in the culture. A church that is accepted well with the culture is usually not accepted well with Christ. The church is a fortress, and a fortress is strength. A fortress is might. Not only a center of defense, but a place of strategic planning and offense. Our God does not expect us to wait for the darkness to enclose around us. He expects us to take up His banner and fight the darkness with His light. You want to know what the biggest problem with America is? The wolf is this country. Gave in. Gave in to public pressure. Gave in to political correctness. One of the greatest curses this country has ever had to deal with is political correctness. Preparing the Christian to shine the light against the darkness of this world. Welcome to Our Mighty Fortress Podcast. I'm your host, Ron Miller, and welcome to the show. We have a very thought-provoking subject to cover today, but first, please go ahead and hit that follow or subscribe button on the podcast platform which you're listening to us upon. We have several social media platforms with all sorts of material that you can listen to and read. Be sure to check us out on our fan page on Facebook, which is growing more and more every day. When you type in the search bar, the at symbol Mighty Fortress 313. If you're listening through our YouTube page, please go ahead and hit that like button and subscribe to the channel. Really sure helps grow the channel to reach out to more people. You can also take a look at our website, OurMightyFortress.com. We do have a lot of media there. You're going to find written articles as well as videos and even a link to our merch store to help support the work. If, of course, if you do feel so motivated to donate to the work that we do here, feel free to do so through our website in the established PayPal link. By following and supporting the podcast, you let me know that you care about the subjects that we discuss. Today... I would like to talk about a very detrimental concept that has emerged to fundamentally change our corporate structures and interactions among employees. It's not only dangerous for the corporate world in a way of disrupting order, but it has built within it a new age spirituality philosophy that is plaguing this world. It is called the new leadership, and it claims that we are in a new age of employee interactions. It's not only this claim, but that corporate leadership must comply with such shifts of culture or forever be locked out of a talent pool of individuals. Along this, there's the mindfulness concept, which teaches employees and management alike to meditate in order to have a better work uh, relation. These two concepts are literally all over social media, especially in the corporate world. You have these gurus going around setting up conferences and sessions to help, you know, supposedly enlighten us. What are these claims? And is there truth to what some of these new leadership gurus are teaching? I want to demonstrate that in learning about what these philosophies stand for. The true intention emerges with an attempt to extinguish the individual internal drive to succeed. 
we will compare these philosophies against the Word of God. And most importantly, what does the Bible have to say about leadership and how we should interact amongst each other? Does the scripture give us insight in how to navigate the vast corporate world? We're going to have to explore these two concepts against what they call traditional leadership and see what is truly the best way to be an example of a leader in the workplace. With that introduction, let's get right into this. If you've ever read articles about the new leadership concept, when they pose arguments and they frame it, a dichotomy is presented between what is called the traditional leadership theory and the new leadership. In this traditional leadership model, it's framed as only having one person with the ultimate power and authority of an organization, and that power is held without the consultation of others. The new leadership is framed as the spearhead into the progressive corporate framework and a merger of executives with the common employee. A call for focus on the millennial and Gen Z workforce that supposedly requires more empathy and compassion. One author in her article, New Leadership Paradigm, Marin Fox writes, quote, Ultimately, the new leadership paradigm is driven by concepts such as service, kindness, and transparency, end quote. She later in the article acknowledges that this seems rather soft, <laughs> which is actually kind of funny. Many articles will bring straw man arguments against the traditional leadership model, and they'll label it as outdated techniques from the Industrial Revolution. Or it'll go to greater lengths than this, that the old leadership styles are Machiavellian in nature, which is basically the idea that it's better to be feared than loved. When reading about the new leadership, you'll also see another word that doesn't have traditional meaning, and that is stewardship. According to the new leadership philosophy, stewardship is a, quote, progressive leadership style that fits into the new paradigm because it is the choice to preside over the orderly distribution of power in context. It means giving individuals at the bottom of an organization a choice in how to serve the customer, a citizen, and a community, end quote. Huh. More on that one later. But first, I want to pair along another concept that walks hand in hand with the new leadership philosophy, and that is called mindfulness. I recently attended a seminar that was labeled as management training, and I was curious as to what the speaker was going to say. First, they fed us a great dinner, which I was pretty pleased, and then the speaker began her presentation on the mindfulness concept. I'll let her define this meaning when she said, quote, mindfulness is the ability to be present in the here and now and aware of an experience that occurs within us and around us in a non-judgmental way without being managed by it, end quote. That's a lot to absorb at first, but you'll notice it does seem very similar to what you see in a kung fu movie or something. Well, guess what? It's the Buddhism. She states that meditation and mindfulness are the next big pantheon, like brushing your teeth every day. Now, I find her word selection very uh, funny because when she's talking about meditation and mindfulness being like a pantheon, 
Well, a pantheon is a temple dedicated to pagan gods. So that's that's kind of funny that she used that word. This concept of mindfulness originated from a psychologist named John Cabot Zinn, who was Jewish, by the way, which is kind of ironic in this whole story. He actually decided to take the mindfulness practice of Buddhism and try to shake it loose of its religious affiliation. He then tried to make it scientific sounding as possible since, you know, he was a psychologist as well and he sold it as such. He called it the mindfulness-based stress reduction therapy. <laughs> For more on the, the farce that is called psychology, check out podcast number 57, Psychology's War Against God. The idea of mindfulness is that a person can be able to transcend problems no matter what work situa what the work situation is. The gurus will tell you that, well, quote, let go and give up coercing, resisting, or struggling in exchange for something more powerful and wholesome, which comes out of allowing things to be as they are, end quote. Remember, between the new leadership and mindfulness models, they paint traditional leadership as something dictator-like and, well, it's not as advanced. That's just the old way of doing things. We have to really ask the question if the image of the arrogant and heavy-handed manager truly represents what they classify as the traditional leadership model. Before we address that question, it is true that millennials are the fastest growing part of the workforce and that number for Generation Z is right behind. Does this mean that we tailor our standards of leadership that has worked for thousands of years to a generation that literally knows nothing but plenty off of the backs of those who led the way in what is called traditional leadership model? It was not the individuals who worked for the companies that changed and shaped America. It was the entrepreneur spirit of bold men that, though sometimes their ideas were criticized, pushed on to develop products that shaped the world. We have to consider something else. Humans desire to be led. And there's a reason why God himself calls us sheep and that we need a shepherd. People search for a false shepherd and get led astray, but they need the one true and great shepherd, which is Jesus Christ. And as, you know, individualistic as we like to think that we are in the Western world, society actually self-sorts itself into leaders and followers. Not everyone can be or is a leader. In fact, it can be argued that the worst kind of situation you can be in is when a person who is not a leader is put in charge of a situation or organization. We naturally sort ourselves into leaders and followers, and this has been done for literally thousands of years, and it's really nothing new to the corporate world. In fact, throughout history, we see leaders that rise to the occasion and bring great wealth and prosperity to their people, and then, of course, you also see the opposite with poverty and death with a terrible leader. The focus should be on what qualities a leader should have in order to, you know, have people deem them worthy enough to be followed. But of course, 
God does call us sheep for a reason because sheep are dumb. So there are often times where people will follow terrible leaders and get punished, therefore. Now, there is a place for compassion and empathy in the right situation, as history also shows that such men are greatly loved of their people. Not only this, but God does tell us to have mercy upon one another. In the book of Micah, chapter 6 and verse 8, it says, quote, He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. End quote. What matters more than compassion and empathy in following a leader is having respect for that individual. People do not follow somebody that have no standards or seems to think that the collective is better than the individual. And see, what we really have contained in that last statement is not truly about the leadership qualities that we can agree upon. Rather, the crux of the new leadership represents... It represents a socialistic idea of valuing the collective over the individual. Peel away the subtleties, and this is the foundation in which their arguments are built. Organizations are built by a person or person's ideas of filling niches in their society. Going back to that heavy-handed manager or executive illustration, one of the great aspects of Western society is that in the free market, you can choose who to work for at, at your own pleasure. If you indeed have that heavy-handed leadership, you can go find another place of employment that will suit your needs. In fact, this is how companies change and adjust their practices, and not only companies, but also leaders. If an organization gains a reputation of abusing its employees, then the market will help correct the situation with either the organization changing its practices or it runs the danger of going out of business because nobody wants to work for them. The internet and company ratings have only made this process easier when looking for a job. Having an egalitarian mindset of believing that people are all equal and deserve equal rights and opportunities, that doesn't translate to an equal outcome. You may have an equal opportunity but it doesn't provide an equal outcome. This is the utter farce of socialism in that the collective being equal in everything makes us a better society. We can agree that as humans, we are equal in value as a person, but not all are equal in how we perform or generate a desired outcome. The new leadership ideology is against centralized leadership and tries to paint a system that works like how a commune would work with everyone just being in charge. Everyone is in charge. Comparatively speaking, those who work to train themselves and have this fire burning in them to succeed, it helps them rise up the socioeconomic ladder. Of course, quite the opposite is true. Where you put down strong and driven leaders, it just disheartens individuals to even work hard at all. When an employee comes to work for an organization, they sign some sort of agreement you know, that they negotiate with the company for pay and work hours. They contract themselves to the company's objectives and thus have the responsibility to work towards the company's success. Nothing in life is freely given and must be earned. An employee 
must earn the right to have their voice heard in the marketplace of ideas. Not only this, that they must understand that not everyone has a seat at the table as the direction of the company. Why would any of the corporate leaders necessarily care about what others of the, you know, the think about the direction of the company and what it should be? What if the consensus was not to be risky or innovative, which stifles growth on the market? In the new leadership model, who makes the ultimate call? The soft and compassionate generation can cry out that they have they have a voice that needs to be heard. But is it their money on the line? Is it their investments or capital driving the company? Hard work drives a success needed to have a seat at the table to make sound decisions for organization. Just simply being employed doesn't mean you have a right to be heard. Sit down, shut up, and work. Work to have that voice. You don't get to be heard just because you're there. Everything rises and falls on leadership, not the collective. Organizations rise and fall based upon leadership, and it generally has nothing to do with collective decisions at all. You know, being a sergeant in the United States Marine Corps, I can only laugh as I envision this concept playing out in the military overall. Having some private or private first class come up to me and tell me how we're going to go on patrol or him directing in general how a city should be taken. I can only imagine that the corporals and sergeants like myself would jump up and rip that person to shreds, man. Like, (laughs) that Marine would never, ever do something like that again. (laughs) We have to think, you know, that when we're young, we think we're experienced enough. Or even when we get a little bit older, we think we do, we think we know it all. We think we've achieved something. And we think that, you know, we can do things better than our leaders. And sometimes that might be true. But unless you have some actual experience under your belt, it's not even close to being true. And experience is what matters. It's important to talk about how these two ideologies of the new leadership and mindfulness match up against scripture. First and foremost, mindfulness is a straight-up Buddhist practice and is thus pagan in nature. This stands against everything that we believe as Christians, and we should reject this at all points on the matter. God could not be any more clear in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14-18. through 18. It says, quote, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? What concord hath hath Christ with Belial, or Christ and the devil? What part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of a living God, and God said, I will dwell in them, and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore? Come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Not only is God against the religious spiritual practices that are outside the scripture, we have to understand that all forms of socialism are theft. 
The centrality of the moral argument against socialism is around two of the Ten Commandments. You have the Eighth Commandment, which is, Thou shalt not steal. This command teaches the concept of private property, and God forbids us to take private property away from an innocent person. The next is the Tenth Commandment, which is, Thou shalt not covet. And this is exactly what socialism hinges upon. Both of these expressly forbid the socialism concept and mark it as being anti-God from the beginning. It was Zachary Garris who said, quote, Everyone understands this concept. No one likes others stealing their belongings, and they therefore do things to prevent theft, such as lock their door at night. It is also the case that every civilized society prohibits theft. People have property rights, and the government should protect such rights. End quote. Another problem with, mind, with mindfulness is that it's propagated as a way to find happiness and meaning in a person's life. Another mindfulness author tries to defend this by saying, quote, It is difficult to be engaged in work that one does not find meaningful. Over two-thirds of U.S. workers claim that their working conditions fall short in providing meaningful work defined as either essential or a very important job. End quote. I always thought that the philosophy of trying to find meaning in your profession is an absolute foolish thing to do. Does that mean that those who have less than desirable jobs, like a trash man or something like that, have, you know, they, they should be unhappy by default? You don't find meaning in your profession. You find meaning in Jesus Christ, in your profession of faith. The New Age religion is coming on strong in this world. And these concepts are being taught throughout the entirety of the Western world. I mean, you may have not noticed it before, but look at social media. Go to social media sites like, say, LinkedIn or anything associated uh as far as like the business world and concepts of leadership and that type of thing, you're going to see the new leadership mindset and even the mindfulness uh, concept or the Buddhist practices of meditation and that type of thing. The World Economic Forum, where all of the world's communist party, I mean, <clears throat> world's leaders <laughs> meet, they teach these concepts uh, to the people there and they, you know, they bring that back to their nations to implement at the minimum a socialistic mindset or mindfulness. Understanding the mindset of these people is pretty simple. It's elitism at its finest and the low level peons are sucking it up hook, line and sinker. Socialism and communism is always built upon the rules for thee, but not for me idea. That's how you always end up with the dictators. An author of Sage Journals who's writing on this concept writes about the mindfulness and new leadership. It says, quote, unlike the rational scientific management strategies that dominated most of the 20th century, the corporate spirituality movement is based off feelings, feelings of empowerment, self-possession and self-invigoration, end quote. Makes me want to throw up. Isn't it something else that you have corporate spirituality being pushed but if you speak the name of christ or his principles you are hated hmm that sounds biblical there was no problem being spiritual as long as it's not the law of god being taught 
or people will lose their minds. Ultimately, God is a God of order. And it's not about any type of commune or communist leadership. God calls a pastor to lead a church and follow after Christ. There's not a multitude of pastors in charge. The congregation doesn't lead the pastor. A church definitely does not lead the pastor. Rather, a pastor leads the church. Seems like God is all for this traditional leadership theory, if that even means anything. God didn't care about the feelings of people when he sent a prophet to rebuke them. They didn't tell the prophet, God didn't tell the prophet, make sure you show compassion and be empathetic because, you know, people are a little emotional. He didn't say that. In fact, he encouraged to blast them. The prophet didn't say, well, what do you think about God's message? How does it make you feel? <laughs> Read through the entire of the Old Testament and the New Testament. You're never going to find those kind of things, ever. Just take the leadership that is in the Bible. Take the Judges period, or even before that with Moses or Joshua. Josh was a military leader, one of my favorite leaders. And he was a good leader. He was a great leader. What about the kingdom stage with uh, King David or Solomon? Solomon at the beginning. Solomon wasn't exactly a military leader, but he did well in the first half of his life following after God till he started chasing women. That's how he got all messed up. But David especially, David was a military leader, very strong leader, loved the Lord, and God blessed him tremendously. God was more interested in the spiritual leadership that you portray, the working or the fruit of the Holy Spirit that comes out. And what we really see with these concepts, these modern concepts, is a redefining of terms redefining of what it even means to be a leader. I mean, for instance, the male versus female leadership, having females in, in positions of power to, to put down men happens all the time. Strong male leadership is put down. Feminine leadership is exalted. Now, there, are, I'm sure there's maybe some ladies that might be cringing at this, but they know it's a fact and I know it's a fact. Feminism has utterly destroyed the framework of, of the family and how things should operate. And in this new leadership model, that's exactly what you see. The rise of feminine leadership and the putting down of strong leaders. More specifically, male strong leaders. All of the above is distinctly against God. The new leadership, mindfulness... Everything that's associated with it, whether it's the feminism or the other types of words that are redefined, concepts that are redefined. But what makes a great leader? A great leader is a subject that I covered in podcast 21 called Leadership That Matters. I won't rehash that. But a good leader is one that exemplifies godly characteristics. And yes, leaders should strive to treat their people well. But get this, leaders should also raise the standards of expectations for the people and not lower them. People will only strive for what leaders set. Finally, the new leadership model 
is just a subtle ploy to destroy capitalism overall in the Western world and the con you know, condition the people into thinking that the majority are greater than the individual. Humanity ultimately is not going to follow this soft-touch approach, no matter how much this supposed new way of leading is preached. What it's ultimately going to be designed to do is to put down strong leadership, soften people, beat them in sub into submission, and to the overall elite uh, network is set up to you know, bring the sword to, to push those kind of leaders down. You can't have this individualism being propagated through uh, culture, more specifically because of America and that type of ideology of individualism. These concepts will ultimately be used to bring forth the Antichrist in the future. I firmly believe that. And you know, history has a way of repeating itself with leaders that will rise, who are strong and determined, but we need to raise the bar of leadership overall and bring the people up to the standard and not the leaders down to the people. Now understand this. If leaders are like the general populace, then they wouldn't be leaders. Now would they? I want to thank you for listening. And be sure to follow us on the podcast media. Please take a look at our website, OurMightyFortress.com, and subscribe for more updates. Stay tuned next time for more great content, and remember to find your refuge and strength in Our Mighty Fortress.